0: Welcome to Killer Women with your host, best-selling author, Danielle Gerard. The Killer Women Vodcast is pleased to be a part of the Authors on the Air global radio network. To learn more about Danielle and her books, visit her at www.daniellegerard.com and to access all of our vodcasts, go to youtube.com forward slash authors on the air. And now... Danielle's next Killer Woman. Hello, and welcome to the Killer Women Podcast, a proud member of the Authors on the Air Global Network with over 4 million listeners. I am your host, suspense author Danielle Girard, and my guest today is Alessandra Torre. Alessandra is an award-winning New York Times bestselling author of more than 20 novels. She has been featured in such publications as L and L U K as well as guest blog for the Huffington Post and RT Book Reviews. She's also the bedroom blogger for cosmopolitan.com. In addition to writing, Alessandra is the creator of the Alessandra Torrey, Inc., a website community and online school for aspiring authors. Her annual conference is Inker's Con and is available online or in person. Her newest book, A Familiar Stranger, is out on September 27th. Welcome, Alessandra. Thank you so much, Danielle.
1: I'm so excited to be here.
0: I am so happy to have you. So I realized I should have confirmed that that's how we
1: pronounce your last name. A hundred percent. I always <laughs> tell everyone it, it's a pen name, so you really can't butcher oh, it. Um, but I, yeah, I, I appreciate <laughs> that. But I was like, oh, yes. Do you pronounce the E Tore? Is that how you say it? <laughs> I say it Tor, yeah, I say it Tore. Sometimes I say Tori, like Joe Tori. I've I've gotten everything. When I when I went to an Italian signing, they pronounced it probably the correct way which I don't even remember so right. yeah okay
0: I'm glad to hear that because butchering somebody's name seems like uh you know sort of the top of faux pas faux pas especially for <laughs> um a podcast interview so <laughs> there you go my um my novice noviceness at this shows um so first of all oh this was super fun read your books are always like okay stay up late we're gonna have to finish this before. Uh, before we get any sleep tonight. So tell um, our listeners about um, A Familiar Stranger.
1: So A Familiar Stranger is a domestic suspense. Um, it's the the basic elevator pitch of the book is it's about a woman who lives a double life and one of the men in her lives life is, um, it, well, pretty much all of the men in her life are keeping secrets. Um, so it's how sort of her two lives end up colliding and um and the aftermath of that so that is that's my two two second spiel of the book um it is a it's a domestic slash psychological suspense mm-hmm. i never really know what falls under psychological suspense but it's set in california all of my almost all of my ar tories are set in california so it's um but this is not as um a lot of them are very like glamorous this is this is more of a domestic suspense kind of yeah so um so this is a
0: this is a mother sort of in a rut which of course you know we can totally appreciate because that's (laughs) that happens um so where did the seed of for this idea because there's a we're not going to talk about it but there's quite a big twist here in this book um an unexpected uh an unusual twist so tell us like you know
1: Without t- telling us, or- <laughs> without telling us everything. We'll right. talk- where did this? Yeah, where did exactly. the story idea come from? Well, I we have like I watched a presentation once about id list. Like you, you have your things that you just love as a writer. And so for me, double lives is always something that I've always loved. I've never really written a full double life. So, so the original thought going into this is like, oh, I'm going to have a woman who has you know a double life. And the first pitch that I did. Um, to the publisher was like my first what the publisher bought was a story that started at a fancy dinner party everybody's dead and um and you have this woman who's been flying across the country living these two lives and she's like the only surviving person that's what they bought this book is not anything and there was like I don't really remember a fancy dinner party. (laughs) Yeah, no, there's, and there was organ harvesting involved.
0: Wow. There
1: there is none of that. That's what they paid for. That's what they said. Yes, sounds good. Here's my full outline. And I sat down and I wrote a book that was absolutely nothing to do with that. Yeah, so tell people about that because I think that's,
0: there's a, you know, this happens to everybody. I think most writers, right? Well, we pitch to um, to our editor what they buy, is, a, is sort of an idea that's not really fully formed because you can't really create a, you can't create the book until you write the book. So um, so tell us about like, if that's how you normally work, you you create, you use,
1: do sample chapters or what do you submit to? Who, you're Thomas and Mercer, right? So who's? Yeah. This is Thomas and Mercer. So my very first book with them, I was selling them a finished manuscript. Like I had yes. a finished manuscript, they bought it. So they knew it usually doing. that's usually how it works with your first and that's book, right? normally. Yeah, yeah. yeah, And then it's once they're like, okay, this person is legit, um, you know. So with my next ones, I mean, I, 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 it had been a multi-book deal. So with my, so they knew like I was going to have to write a different book um so with my second book with them which was so the first book was every last secret the second book was the good lie and I um submitted I submitted lots and lots of ideas they didn't like any of the ideas and finally we settled on an idea that they liked um and I liked and I sat down and I wrote a completely different book like her job was the same I was the only only thing that was the same Um, But thankfully, they liked it. So I think whenever when a familiar stranger came around, which that's never the the title, I know it as, um, I think I, I, this book was always um, a double life for me is what it was called. But um, when, uh, when I submitted this, um, by the time this book came around, I think they were kind of used to me not delivering what I promised.
0: (laughs) Right. And all the same book. Yeah.
1: And I just, today is my deadline for my fourth book with them. And it also is not. So, um, thankfully in this book, so what Daniel alluded to was that there's a twist in this book and it's, and it's fairly unconventional. And, um, when my first draft of this book, what had a, um, I hated it. I just hated it. I I, I threw I threw it away actually, um, and so I reached out to um, and I was working with an editor, private editor at the time, and I was trying to figure out what to do with what, I, and she was and she brought up an idea, and um and I was like, can I do that? Like, I don't, so then I called my agent. And I was like, um, you know, a familiar stranger, we were calling it something else, but familiar stranger, I was like, this is the, what I want to do with it. And she had the same, she's like, I'm not sure that's been done in a book before. I was like, she's like, let me, let me think about this for a minute. So I was like, I'm wondering if I should call Amazon and run this by them before right. I like this entire rest of the book. And so we decided not to tell Amazon. We decided <laughs> Okay, that's okay. your editor. So
0: she's saying we decided not to tell the publisher that we were going well, to do this
1: very unconventional thing. No, right.
0: I I love yeah. this. This is love my is
1: private you? editor. This isn't my Amazon editor. This is right. my um, like uh, someone I'm paying directly. So yeah. we're like we're not sure that they're going to be on board. So let's just write it and then we'll see if they like it. Because I was certain that maybe I could sell them on it with the story but not seldom on it with the idea. So, um, right. so I went down that path and I will tell any readers that are listeners that are listening. I think half of my readers are not going to like this book. Um, but m- <laughs> most of my readers are romance readers. So they're mm-hmm. used to a certain storyline, right? Or they're used to a different. So I think my romance readers, and I've been watching the reviews on Goodreads very carefully and everyone's great on Goodreads. No one spoiled the, the plot twist, which is fantastic but um, but they either love the twist or they hate right. the twist right, um, right. so it's going to be really interesting I'm I'm looking forward to this book releasing because I'll be curious to see but I think it'll be a very divided audience yeah which is They're actually love or hate Verity which is fun right because it's it, which is fun
0: because I think it gets people talking about the book and yeah and it's fair I mean it is I enjoyed it but it was very unexpected and for somebody who like me right I've read you know I mean, fifty thrillers (laughs) this year, and um, I have not, in my, you know, that I can think of, seen this twist. So that's that's super fun, and I think you know people like something new. Of course, they're gonna. Some are gonna complain that it isn't, uh, you know, it doesn't have your, your. It doesn't have a very. It's not a very romantic story. No,
1: put it that way. It's not romantic at all. Not a lot of my eratories aren't romantic, but it's definitely, it's not a romance. It's, it is a suspense. And so I think my romance, and I think maybe some of my romance readers might get lulled in because it's like, oh, an affair, right. Affair, like maybe this is going to be, so if you are a thriller author who hates romance, which that was me for like 90% of my life, I was like, ew, romance, I hate that. Um, you'll be fine with (laughs) this. Yeah. Yes. but uh, it'll be, it'll be interesting. It'll be really, I'm excited for release. It releases the 27th of September, yes. um, but I'm also definitely a little nervous. So, and uh it was funny. So we submitted it to Amazon and I was sitting there, you know, for like five days until I got their feedback. And I was like, you know, oh my gosh, what's going to be, they never said a word about it. Like they never were like, I don't know. It's like, they just were, sent me back an editorial letter, like it was no big deal, like I hadn't just dropped it. That is so around. funny, right. So, um, so it was like, okay, I guess, like, I guess we're fine. They, yeah, they think it's gonna work, which is awesome, because they oftentimes
0: know what they're doing. Well, it's funny, because, you know, my third book was called Familiar Stranger, in my oh, mind, yeah. yeah, it was released as Ruthless Game, so it's uh-huh. kind of funny, like, I see this, I saw this, and I was like, oh my god, I had a book called this, but <laughs> of course not really so like you you said we we don't always we get control our,
1: yeah. of the yeah. titles
0: right that doesn't that doesn't happen so um you've written like t- more than 20 books so yeah, i
1: think i'm approaching 30 yeah oh, gosh okay so. that's
0: so impressive mm-hmm. so tell us like you know what's the how do the ideas normally sort of you know what what happens to seed a new idea
1: yeah um so ideas one of the first books I ever read, if you're an ever a reader interested in becoming an author, or if you're an author, or if you're just a reader who just loves to read different things, um, Stephen King wrote a book on writing, which is my favorite book of all time. Um, And it was when I decided I was going to try to write a book, my mom sent me a stack of paperbacks, um, all nonfiction books about writing books. And the first three, like I just didn't get past the second or third chapter. Yeah. Like I was right. they, I was overwhelmed. I already right. felt like an idiot. Like it wasn't and then I got to on writing. And that book is the book that convinced me that I could write a book. Like it was yeah. it's a fantastic read. And it's super interesting, even if you have no interest in writing, like it's still really interesting um read. But one of the things he said at the beginning is like ideas are everywhere. He's like, right. you really just have to kind of teach your mind how to listen out for them. Um, and it's so true. Like it took me, it took me a little bit of of understanding. Like it, it wasn't like, oh, I closed that chapter and I ran out and I had like 50 ideas. But it does ideas do really come from everywhere. So it's just interesting where sometimes I'll watch a um like a trailer for a movie and I'll be like, oh, and I think I know like where this movie is going. And then we watch the movie and it goes in a completely different direction. But I'm like, you know, that idea that I thought it was, like I was really interested in watching that movie. I, you know, there there's a different idea, right. like you could write that book. Um, and real life, uh, Every Last Secret was inspired by a real life, you know, scenario that my friend was going through. So there's just um, a lot of times something in real life will trigger a familiar stranger. Um, the character is an obituary writer and, um, and that was, that was not like the initial thought, but it was one of those things like some, sometimes somewhere I met an obituary writer and, and it was like, oh, you know what? Like that's, that'd be a cool job. I'm going to stick that aside. Right. And at some point somewhere. So I have like a big book. It's a file on my computer, but I have a big file of all of the ideas that I've ever had. And, and whenever I am writing, normally you get your best idea, like this brilliant groundbreaking idea it normally comes like when you're in the middle of a book. Um, and so I'll I'll just write a chapter or two and then I stick it in this file, and I forget about it until it's time for my next book. And then I sit down and that's my favorite thing is to go through all of the ideas and see like what what's there and what I could- um, I love
0: that. So you actually don't just write down the idea, you sort of get into the character and let a little of it fly so that when you're starting a book, you're like, you actually have a little start.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I write enough to kind of one, get it out of my system a little bit because I'm like, oh, I can see this character and kind of feel the feel of the book. And other times I I, I don't have that feel. Like it's just like, a oh, like I should write about, you know, mass murdering nanny or something, you know, and so I'll just write that down. Right. Nobody steal that idea. Right.
0: <laughs> it's yours. <laughs> it's in your file, a mass murdering nanny. <laughs>
1: Got it. But I'll just write down like that. Right. And one of the funniest and I one of the funniest stories is like I woke I I started keeping a notepad beside my bed because I yes. would I would wake up with these like I would have a dream and I wake up and I'd be like, oh my gosh, this is a great book. And I'd be like, no way I'm gonna forget this, right? Like, this is the next flip surprise winning book. And of course, in the morning, like I have no idea what that idea was. So I right. started keeping a notepad by my bed. And I remember, and I woke up one night, brilliant idea, like, oh my gosh. Um, so I'm like, I have my notepad. So I wrote down like a few sentences enough to like submit it and went back to bed. And as soon as I woke up in the morning, I was like, I had the best idea last night. Like, I can't remember what, what it was, but let me go look like in my piece of paper and on my piece of paper I had, and it's been at least five years. So I'm going to try to go off the best, best of my memory, but it said like, um, uh, John and Henry, um, uh, um, go go on a trip to you know to find um to find something or whatever and then I wrote John is a dog and I underlined <laughs> it like five times like that was the missing key that would solve every literary problem out there like I was so yeah. excited about the fact that John was a dog <laughs> I'm like this like What is is brilliant in the middle of the night, right,
0: isn't always brilliant in the light of day, is what you're saying. It is. I do that. I do keep a notepad also by my bed, and I sometimes wake up in the morning, and it's like all the lines are squished together, so it's really hard to even tell what I was writing. But I do think there's something really brilliant to that, because there's that moment of, you know, subconscious, right, that sort of where your subconscious is really alerted. Yeah, (laughs) And I think, I mean, if if you have like, I don't know about you, but if you have a plot problem, it's oftentimes like I I think about it before bed, right? Yeah. Like solve it while I'm asleep. I do
1: that all the time. Like I'll go to bed thinking about, I'm just, I I kind of fall into this story, right? And I'm like thinking about what I'm going to write. And I'm, and, and a lot of times it, I can solve whatever it is. Like I can figure it out or just sleeping on it helps
0: yes, exactly. I think that's to, I think that's um hundred percent right so um so Lillian is a particular- i know she wasn't probably the Lillian of the original book who was sounds like more glamorous and living two two separate lives but um she really rings true for me be- and maybe it's because you know she's both of the men in her life you know if you have a son um and a husband, I have a daughter as well but you know those the men in, can be a little bit what's the word they can be less than you know yeah. taking care of us
1: connected <laughs> yeah they can right. be
0: disconnected right so did she come from a certain place how i mean you have kids right are they at yeah. this age?
1: so i have a teenage son um he's yeah. 19 yeah. um i think her son's like 17 right um and i have um uh I have a husband, obviously. I mean, not obviously. A lot of people don't have husbands, but I have a husband. Um, the, uh, the her husband's character, I don't want to give away too much, but right. I was watching a certain TV show at the time. So, and a lot of people will recognize that when they kind of get into understanding the characters. So like her husband's job, I definitely pulled from that TV show. Um, and, uh, but her, um, but her husband is very, um, yeah, like disconnected, which yeah. I can, um, Which there have definitely been times in my life where I've been disconnected, you know, or so so that was easy to write. Kind of is, and and she's kind of frustrated with just kind of feeling lost, I guess. And at the the beginning of the book, she loses her job, so it's suddenly like she's just trying to kind of figure out like her identity and right. know, um, and she doesn't feel like she can kind of communicate with her husband about this. So it's it's her just kind of and and while she's there is kind of when she kind of falls into like this other life and the other interesting thing about Lillian who's the main character is because she's an obituary writer she kind of gets these these snapshots into different people's lives and right you know where they you know the age in which they die and things like that so um it she has seen women who have had much more exciting lives or right. have done so much more and so it's kind of there's this like god like why, you know like am I really living my life? And so that's kind of where this, you know, other life comes from. Um, Right. And, uh, and she just kind of is given, you know, falls into a scenario where it's able to happen.
0: Right. And I think that I think that part of it, and not to say that we're not happily married and that our children aren't amazing, because of course, that, that, that's a given, but, um, but it is like, it's every sort of her a, like, we all sort of just there's this point, you know, where we're like, huh, you know, what are we doing? And as our children become more independent, 17 is right. certainly that it's a little bit, it becomes a little more pressing, like, wait a minute, it's because they, they're such a big part of your, your life. And so, and so much sort of purpose for so long. So um, anyway, I, I think that's the certainly. thing about love. Yeah,
1: there's, there's always not always, but I'm, I'm sure a lot of women have times where they feel like it's like, am I just like your made and you know like I mean like I'm like what like who is doing anything for me like right, right. like I'm, right. like I'm picking up after you guys and you right. know and right all of your crap and cooking and like what what is like I think it, that's
0: what, right I think it, yeah it's,
1: it's people are gonna start catering to me right. <laughs> really great this setup that y'all have here you yeah know? It's not, yeah. It's it's not not great great for you, but it's really great for them. Right, right. Right. It's
0: so true. It's so true. So, okay. So do you have, you know, uh, it sounds like you created, you create an outline often for these stories, but then do you write the outline and then just toss it out the window? Because it sounds like you're sort of,
1: well, are you a pants? I'm not an outliner. That's the big thing. If I outline a book, I'm done with it. Like I know everything's happened. I'm bored. Right. Uh, So sometimes I... And, and with, um, this publisher, I don't submit, like, I submit like, a um, like a one page list of bullet points kind of, this is what's happened. And, um, and they know that I don't really know, but I think they (laughs) at least think that they're getting something like this. Um, so, uh, and, uh, and, uh, like with the book that I'm, that is, I'm turning in today, um, I'm turning in like second or third edits on it. Um, it, I actually did write the first draft to the outline, um, oh. but, or to the summary that I had sent them, but I hated it. Like it just was, it was way too romancy, and my editors c- kind of likes romance. So I knew she'd be happy with it, but it just, I was like this, like, I'm, this is just, I, I don't like this. I don't like anything bad. So I emailed them and I said, like, I can still make this deadline, but to be honest, I'm just going to junk this. And I, and I, and I need to go like in a different direction. So I think they kind of knew like, okay, like we aren't sure what we're getting, but it's probably not going to be what we think we're getting. Um, right. So yeah, so normally I just sit down with the character in mind and a rough idea of what I think is going to happen. And then I just start writing. And sometimes it it goes in that direction that I think it's going to happen. And sometimes it doesn't. Um, so, and I never know. It's very stressful. <laughs> yes, I know, right? I'm a
0: pantser too. I mean, in the same sort of way, like I usually know like the culminating scene. But I, I think there's something that you said that I actually think is brings really true for me too, and not for everybody. Um, but a lot of authors I've spoken to is that it sort of takes the magic. There's a little mm-hmm. magic that gets that gets us to really invest in a story for however many months it takes to write a book, right? And if you sort of know, then the magic is sort of gone.
1: Yeah, there's that whole discovery thing. You know, I mean, it's like it's my husband loves to gamble because he it. There's that moment before the card flips over where it's like like I don't know what's happening like and and it's anticipation and I feel that way when I'm writing a new chapter like anything could happen in this chapter versus like if you're if you're playing a card game and you already know that that's going to be a two of diamonds like you already know I'm about to be happier I'm about to be upset you know and so I think um so I love that mystery and I can still get there if I have a very rough outline yeah because I still don't I still don't know the pieces and I know that this guy's going to end up being bad but I don't know how um and I did kind of know like with a familiar stranger I knew who the villain um was going to be from the beginning and so that Um, so that made it easier I just didn't know you know how certain people were going to die and I didn't know how I was going <laughs> to unveil everything to the reader um, right. so I still had plenty of room to play around and right. go up astray
0: <laughs> so that so do you feel like you're kind of dealing with like you're putting a character in sort of a high pressure situation and letting and then following them as they sort of
1: try to figure out what to do is it the character that leads the story for you Yeah, typically it's the normally it's the character that leads the story leads the story but like with a familiar stranger, I really struggled because for at least the first 25% of the book I didn't like Lillian was not clear in my head, and if you're ever an author and you're really struggling a lot of times it's because you don't know that character right so every interaction, every conversation they have with someone, every time they're getting ready in the morning, like, is this an OCD person? Is this someone who's making their bed? Is this someone who's like lollygagging around? Or is this someone who's going for a run and has everything done in their life before like 8am? So um, I didn't, I just couldn't figure her out. At the time, I didn't have, I didn't have her job. Um, Mm -hmm. So once I figured out her job, that kind of, then she kind of clicked into place. And then I just needed to start kind of putting her together. And once I did that, then this, the rest of the story really came out of me because this was a book where I knew kind of what I wanted, like a woman in a double life and that this and this was going to happen, but I, I just couldn't, she just wasn't clear in my head. It was funny, like the other cast of characters were very clear in my head. Right, right. Most important character. I just couldn't <sighs>
0: picture her. So how, just to, to, to resolve that, do you just, do you write about, like, what, what's
1: your, so do you interview her? Are you somebody who, what do you do? I don't interview, but I do find a muse and normally, um, normally my muse is like, okay, she's going to look like Kate Hudson, but she's going to have the personality of Angelina Jolie or something like that. Normally I have like a looks muse and I'll have like a a personality muse. And, um, oftentimes the personality muse, it's not always a famous person. Often it's like my aunt, Wendy or whatever. Um, and sometimes like Sometimes the character and personality, sometimes it's like it's Drew Barrymore. You know what yeah. I mean? Like a yeah. very distinct personality, very distinct character. Um, but uh, but I also like so I it's Drew Barrymore, but she wants to kill people. Like right. Like that I feel like she did that in the show once, didn't she? Did she? But, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But
0: I love that. So it's like, what would Drew do? The whole thing right. is like every scene is like, what would Drew do? That's an interesting way to to do it. And you feel like those will particularly like Angelina Jolie and Drew Barrymore, those bring to mind very different yeah. personalities, right? right? So in that way, that's I can see how that would be helpful. Um, so you also um, have a school, um, you know, Torre Inc. Tell us about that. What you know, what what brought you to, to teaching students, and and you know, what does your school look like, and all that good stuff? Because that's, I mean, as an you know, for aspiring authors you know, to have a place to start. We didn't have that. So that's really helpful.
1: And that's really where it started is I didn't have a place to start. Like when I started in 2012, like I had that Stephen King book that spoke to me and that was kind of it. Um, and um, I started in 2012. It was a very different time there, both both like having a book that was, to, that was successful uh, was much easier, but there were no resources. Like we were... Like I remember hiring a local PR company to do a press release. Like right. I might as well have just lit a bunch of money on fire. Like it wasn't like, I just didn't know I, there was no guidance. Like I remember reading a review and someone's like, this book needs to be edited. And I was like, edited. Okay. How do I do that? Like, right? Do who do I find? Um, I remember getting my first editorial letter from a publisher and having absolutely no idea how I agree. Like, I agree. These are all problems. I have no idea how to fix any of these things. Right. Like right. I don't right. even know where to start. Like, um, so it was kind of one of those things where it was like for a long time, I told myself once I like figure this out, like there needs to be resources for someone. So I started yeah. Inc. in I want to say 2016. And now there are a ton of courses and there's a ton of options. But at the beginning, there really wasn't much out there at all when I started that. And um, it's not as so much a school as a community. We um, we have a Facebook group that has, I don't know, 20,000 um, wow. authors. And then, um, and I initially started teaching classes in writing, marketing, and publishing. I still have those classes. They're very much like writing for dummies you know, publishing for dummies, marketing for dummies. I can't use those words, but, you know, on but that's basically what they are. It's like, I don't want this like highbrow craft thing. I want something that a normal person is like, okay, I can do this. This is how to do it. They are, they are very beginner, my classes. Um, and so quickly I realized like, okay, I've exhausted my well of knowledge. Um, I wanna learn from all of the smartest people doing all of the things right now. And so that was kind of where Inker's Con came from, which was like, let me find all of the best people in the best areas um, and the areas that really would affect someone's career and bottom line and success. And um, and originally I was gonna bring them all together and film some videos for like an online summit. Um, right. But then it was one of these things where it's like, well, if we're getting all of these experts together, we might as well let authors be there too. So then right. suddenly, without us intending to, it became a conference. Um, and now it's grown into one of the biggest um, authors, di- big, biggest digital authors conferences in the world. We, we have thousands of attendees. Um, so we do an in-person conference in Dallas. We record everything professionally with our team of videographers. And then we launched the digital audience um, and our, which is worldwide. And, um, and then, uh, and we do a whole, Like we do a lot of live events with that launch, but then anyone can right now visit angerscon.com and unlock all of that conference access for this year. So it's been great for me because it forces me to learn every year, you know, Um, and that that is something for a long time. I mean, I didn't take a craft class until I was like probably 10 books in, you know, I mean, I was learning by fire. Um, and so the more I've learned, the easier everything is, you know, Um, and the more things I've been able to cross off my plate, which is actually the really best thing about it. Explain what you mean. Like, um, uh, there was a time where I was like obsessed with like having my books in bookstores. Um, and then I took a class last year at Grose Con about how to get your books into bookstores. And I realized like, it's like one, it's a financial commitment. Like if Target calls me and says, Um, we want to put your book in all of our stores and we want 30,000 copies. And I'm like, great. And it's like, and just as an FYI, we'll send you, we'll be returning back any copies we don't sell. So they're going to buy 30,000, but I have to be financially prepared that if they send back 15,000, that I can pay for those 15,000, you know? Um, And so that's not, Like, um, it, and, and it's like this whole big, long process. Like a lot of indies are like, gosh, they're not putting our books in stores. Well, we're also not having the book final and finished seven months prior to release, you know, um, where they can, you know, there's, we're not doing all of these steps that need to be done um, in order to happen. And so once I learned that process, it was like, okay. I don't care about it that much, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, right. I'm, like I'm, it w- it, which was a relief. Like it was like, okay, right. like I can I can cross that off my list and I can re, you know, reinvest those energies in something else. Um, And so that's what the last few years have been about me figuring out kind of what really translates into money and, and sales and audience. Yeah. Yeah. and what doesn't and me saying okay I'm only going to focus on these two or three things right now 90 percent of my author time is writing and that's what yeah. exactly how I want it to be like where right. for a long time in my career it was 50 50 like if um or even 30 percent was writing and the rest right. was marketing, doing all of the things there's so, so much right yeah
0: and how many books are, you must be writing I mean the math obviously dictates that you're writing more than one book a year. So how, how many books a year are you writing?
1: Well, actually right now I am down to one to two books a year. Normally my best was four books a year. And that was even when I was only doing 50, 50, um, with all of the other stuff uh, with, with all of the marketing and other stuff. Um, but right now it's, um, binge books, which is, you know, kind of a, a reader collective that startup that we're working on. Um, and that takes up half of my time, and then InkersCon takes up a big chunk of my time. So right. I only have about 10 hours a week right now that I can spend on my books on writing and, uh, and my yeah. author career versus the other items.
0: So um, so this brings me to sort of another question, which I think is, in, is interesting for people because lots of people who are aspiring to write books are not doing it full time because of course you don't make enough money in the beginning or yeah. even oftentimes ever um, to, be, to be lucky enough like we are to write full, you know, full time, whatever that means. Right. Um. So as you structure your life, do you have, you know, do you say I'm getting my words like Wednesdays are for writing or how do you structure, you know, the business
1: versus the creative? I am the worst person ever. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I'm really a bad person to ask about that. So many times I've said like, you don't know how many times I've sat down my family and been like, okay, from seven to nine is my writing time. Do not interrupt me. Do not come in. Do not, whatever. I've tried every, I unplug the, the internet so that I won't get distracted. I've tried all sorts of things. I've said, okay, I'm only going to write two days a week, but I'm going to do it for four or five hours stretches, you know? Um, and, and it's just, it doesn't, um, it just doesn't work it just, I, I just can't, I, there's too many things on me right now. I'm really burning the candle at both ends right now. And, um, and it's not a pace I can maintain. Like I'm going, like I have, I have to figure it out. Um, but uh, so I'm really bad person to ask about that because I'm like, I was up till three this morning working on my edits, you know, uh, my book's due tonight. So I'll be up last time I submitted at four 30 in the morning. Um, I think that counts as making the deadline, right? Like yes, I think if before they get up, right? Yeah, before they, they get in, up. That's my thought. Yeah, in um, Seattle,
0: so it's you know
1: that's even better, right? Like three yeah. hours earlier, right? I almost made it by midnight. Yeah. Um. So I so I'm horrible about that right now. Yeah. Um. It's just I I write when I can, and normally it's a deadline. But I also learned Becca Smine teaches a bunch of classes, like in for authors and mindset and that sort of things and different personality types. And I have learned that I am, I am, I need a deadline. Like that, right. I need that pressure because if it's just like, oh, deliver the book whenever. And it's so funny because so many times publishers give me an extra three weeks or four weeks. And I'm like, that's so much time. Like I don't need all that. That's amazing. I'll have plenty of time. And I'm still down. Right. You know, right. I then don't just- touch it for two or three weeks and then I drive myself crazy.
0: Well, that's good to hear too. Cause I do feel like also there's this sense, uh, you know, in the world that, that, you know, the, the author's life is so glamorous. We wake up at 10 and write for a couple of hours and then have a coffee. And then, yeah. right. and I, you know, I mean, I certainly don't get going first thing in the morning. I'm not one of those like crack a dawn people, but, um, but it is, it's sort of always a grind, right? You're always, and everything else seems more urgent than yeah. that book, because usually if somebody's calling on the phone, your characters aren't calling you and saying, when yeah. are you gonna get back to me? Yeah. So it is, it, it does seem more urgent. Okay, so you, you mentioned um,
1: you mentioned binge books,
0: but um, tell us a little bit about that.
1: So binge books is a site for readers um, where it's, it's a book discovery site. So it's similar to Goodreads. It doesn't sell books to readers. It just helps them find a book and then they can click through to their favorite retailer. And um, and so it's just a nice clean, we just launched the BenchBooks app. So you can um the app is really um really great. I I love the app and it's so fast. Um, but what's exciting about BenchBooks is what's coming in the next um, I say the next few months. We never know with our timelines, but um, but soon we'll be able to offer um book recommendations on binge books that I think are really going to blow a lot of readers away. Um, and so we're developing, uh, we have been developing an AI technology that is doing really cool things in, in terms of book recommendations and helping readers to find a book that's similar to books that they've read. So um, so if you haven't already joined binge books, either as an author or a reader, I encourage you to check out bingebooks.com and, um, and just stay tuned because we've got some yeah, some exciting. There's
0: already some, and like, and, and you want, do you want to mention Marlo or is that, uh, tell us about Marlo because I've used Marlo. I think it's super interesting.
1: Yeah. So Marlo is, is the name of our technology. Um, She is very much like a team member. We, we refer to her as if she's a person. I think my husband thought Marlo was a person um, (laughs) for for a long time, the way I talk about her, but um, she's our artificial intelligence. So currently so she she is obsessed with books she can read a book um, in a period of a minute um and she remembers every scene and every character and every plot point in that book so she has read thousands of books hundreds of thousands of books um and so what and she is trained on bestsellers so she she can tell a good book from a bad book she can tell a potential bestseller from a normal book so that technology can be used in really cool ways right now we're using it with authors that can submit a manuscript to um, Marlo. I submit all of my first, second, third, fourth drafts um, to her. And then she gives feedback. She has this big report that she sends. And it's just about looking at your book in a different way um, and kind of pointing out different things about your book, but also comparing your book in terms of plot line and pacing and things like that to her bestseller, you know, library. Um, So interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what's cool about Uh, an AI that knows every single thing about every single book is she's like a super librarian. Right. When we take her over, when we bring her over to Bench books, it's like, if you've ever walked into a bookstore and go, oh my God, I loved Gone Girl. Like what's a book like Gone Girl? You're really restricted to that librarian's knowledge of what they've read recently or ever, or what the publisher is telling them. These books are like Gone Girl. When if the Simon and Schuster lawsuit, if anyone's watching that, has taught us anything, is that publishers have no idea right. what they're doing in terms, and it's a guessing game. I mean, that's yes, it's a right. guessing game, um, right? And, but so much of publishers don't know their backlists. and if you had to ask the publisher what book is do you have that's most similar to Gone Girl,
0: like Baby they're gonna, guessing,
1: they're yes. going to they're going to take guess
0: yes and that is well and actually it's so interesting to have your book quantified does that i mean one of the things yeah. i think is so strange is like when she comes up with like numbers and you know just about like where the beats hit and you think yeah. that's so bizarre to look at your book in terms of something that isn't sort of just sort of an emotional subjective mm-hmm. reaction so i like that about her because i'm i'm a i like i'm sort of an objective you know, yeah. and I sort of, I came from finance and I have a lot of quantitative background. So it always makes me feel kind of good when she's like, these are sort of your, like, you know, your, this is your report. It feels so like, so refreshing. Mm-hmm. Cause every time, you know, you get feedback on your book, it's like, well, I sort of felt like, and you're like, that's not that helpful. So yeah. um, I have a book that I'm I'm just finishing that I'm ready to, I'm getting close to submitting. So I'm fingers crossed that, you know. Yeah. Uh, about that. But anyway, that is a real, that is super cool. And, um, obviously I'm a binge books author and, um, I, you guys are doing an amazing job. I can't even imagine how much work that is because it seems, um, you know, it's a lot. So I can see why you're like trying to figure out how to, how to write. So, okay. So you just submitted a new book. So what is, what's next? Can you
1: tell us anything about this? I can tell you a little bit about it. Um, it's called, um, what is it? (laughs) It's called called a fatal affair or the fatal affair. I'm pretty sure it's called a fatal affair. Um, uh, Danielle knows we don't come up with these titles. Um, I submit a list of fantastic ideas and then they send me a list of their ideas. Um, and so, um, but I actually like this, this title a lot. It fits really well. Um, and the, uh, the gist of this book is, um, I just totally blank. I, I have been doing nothing but editing this book, and I and I was just like, "What is this book about?" Um, uh, but it's you're about, in the weeds uh, with it. I get it. Yeah, it's my other favorite thing is twins. Um, and I've never written a book with twins before. Um, but uh, but the gist of this book is it's about um, one some one two um Hollywood um celebrities that are twins, and um, and one of them is a serial killer. So. It's um, it's kind of diving into that. So I'm back in the world of um, you know, Beverly Hills, which is the the other thing that I really love to write about is um, so it's kind of that celebrity world. So I'm um, and the woman who's in love with them both. That's the um, with both. Oh,
0: and you're um, but you're in Florida, right? So do you get to go out and you say I have to go to Beverly Hills and do
1: some research. (laughs) <laughs> I've definitely written off a lot of trips to Beverly Hills and um, Fair. I've been to California in so long. I don't think I've been there in probably five years. Um, right. there maybe twice a year. Um, uh, and it's, um, I love There's So it's, I don't know if it's because I'm an author and because I'm going out there for meetings with, but there is this, um, energy kind of like in LA and in Hollywood and in, um, Beverly Hills, which is like, like that there's, there's this energy, like something's going to happen, but it's also very, um, hard for me because it feels like everything is happening for all of these people. And everybody you talk to is in the industry, like, right. theater, like And they're like, they also are a gaffer on a movie and you're driving down a street and they're filming a movie, you know, and right. we our hotel, they were filming a TV show. So it feels like so many things are happening that you aren't a part of, you know? Right. And right. So I don't think I could live in Los Angeles because I think that would really demoralize me. Like, I love to come (laughs) there and have a meeting with my film agent and feel like something's happening. But Hollywood's also really great about telling you like, oh, like, you know, success is just around the corner and we can do all of these amazing things for you. Right. And then, you know, like, it all falls apart eventually right
0: it's <laughs> such a shot in the dark I know if you've had movies optioned you'd like think
1: yeah. for 10 seconds oh
0: my god this is a thing and then you know
1: I don't even get excited about movie options anymore I don't yeah. share options with readers mm-hmm. um because so many times like we've had a script written and we've had a studio attached and I've had a production company and then something happens you know right um, right
0: so. Yeah. it is very yeah it's a very yeah
1: thank god that's not how we're making um paying our mortgages right that yeah. would be very yeah, very stressful exactly. so be, i can't even imagine if i was working Hollywood. i did have one movie made hollywood dirt was made um oh uh, that's awesome so, but um but it was for a streaming service so it was a little bit different you know it wasn't um a big big budget but it was still but really- now the streaming services are sort of the they are that's they're a,
0: yeah, well, that's they're really very cool over.
1: Yeah. It's so they much really as really in years. I remember when we pitched girl in 60, which is like an erotic thriller, the only options were HBO or showtime. Like that was yeah, it because no one else would touch that like sexual content. Now right. it's like, as soon as stars came out of black sales, I'm like, whoa, okay. I guess like we can add stars. And then it was like, now it's, any like you're seeing crazy content all over the place um so
0: it does make you it does feel sort of encouraging for authors also we're seeing a lot of our you know um colleagues you know our friends and colleagues put stuff out there so so that seems encouraging but yeah but until yeah until it's like they're filming the pilot or they've finished filming the pilot (laughs) i think you just keep it to yourself well well this was so exciting so Tell everybody, what's the best place to find you? I know you're kind of, um, you're all over, you're on Facebook and Instagram. And so where should they go to get, how about your website to get a list of all of your stuff?
1: My best, the best place is um, alessandratori.com. I picked the worst pen name um, because Alessandra can be spelled four different ways. But um, it's, I just stuttered. It's A-L-E-S-S. I'm looking at a book. Yeah, A-L-E-S-S, Sandra. Um, and, uh, and I would suggest signing up for my newsletter there, which you can also do at nextnovel.com like next my next, so nextnovel.com um, because I am hoping I, w- when I've been looking at everything and trying to figure out, I I'm thinking about really just pulling out of social media, um, and, and just communicating with my readers through my newsletter. So, um, so if you're interested, um, check out nextnovel.com and you can sign up for my newsletter there.
0: That's fantastic. Well, I get that. The social media game is exhausting. It's so
1: exhausting. Um, it's exhausting. And I, I don't
0: know. I mean, I think, uh, yeah, that's a whole different conversation. That's for a- next, the next conversation, right? Um, well, listen, Alessandra, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, this has been um, the Killer Women Podcast with um, A.R. Torre and her new book, A Familiar Stranger, out on the 27th. 7th. So get the yep. right? 27th. 27th. Okay. <laughs> It's so exciting. So I can't wait to hear what people think of that, that twist. So <laughs> thank you so much for joining us and everybody for joining Killer Women. And until next time, we will see you later. Bye. Bye, guys.